This podcast is made possible by Workday and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Cian Wang, CFO of FastSpring in Santa Barbara, California. You are listening to the CFO Thought Leaders podcast with Jack Sweeney. This is episode 454. From Middle Market Media, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we speak to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. From what we hear, talent is going to be top of mind in 2019. We thought it was time we invited back Ron Shaw, CFO of Hodges Mace, to explore with us human capital blind spots and possible remedies for finance leaders in the coming year. We begin after these words from our sponsor. In a world that's always changing, one thing never does. Your need to adapt. Your need to evolve. Your need to grow. That's why we built Workday, a single finance, HR, and planning system that can change as your needs change and evolve as the world evolves. To learn how Workday is helping mid-size organizations embrace the future with confidence, visit us at Workday.com. Speaking to Ron Shaw, CFO of Hodges Mace. Uh, Ron, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jack. Ron, so we saw it was getting close to the end of the year, and uh, having touched base with you from time to time in the past on human capital issues, we thought it might be interesting to, to have you back on with us and ask you to look forward to 2019. And uh, so, what should CFOs keep top of mind when it comes to human capital? as we move into 2019 and forward, what would you share with us? Yeah, I think one of the, uh, one of the biggest challenges right now that I, I think uh, CFOs, regardless of industry, are probably facing and, and companies more broadly are facing is uh, it, it's just the, the war for talent. Um, unemployment rates are at historic lows. Uh, employees at companies have uh, a lot of options uh, on what they want to do, where they want to work, and uh, so attracting and retaining the best talent is uh, is a challenge right now. So how do you find, attract, retain the best talent without, um, without having a significant impact on your bottom line through, uh, through higher compensation expenses? 
is something that uh, we think about, and, and I think all um, all CFOs right now are probably uh, battling with because uh, the, the the need for, for talent continues to to increase, and um, the competition for the talent is uh, is pretty significant as well. Well, that, that takes me back, and maybe we touched on this with you before, but I have to believe this is something that's going on now. You know, the, you see this on social media where the CFO asks the CEO, what if, what happens if we spend money training our people and they, and then they leave? And the CEO responds back, what happens if we don't and they stay? Is that uh, a discussion that CFOs and CEOs need to be having today, clearly? Do we need to invest more in our people? Absolutely. When, when you think about what, what is it that most employees want out of their job, money clearly is, is an important factor, right? We all work, um, work hard and, and want to be paid fairly for it, but um, when you look across different surveys that, um, that human resource organizations put out, employees are looking for looking to be challenged at work, they're looking for growth and development opportunities. And so whether it's in the form of formal training that, that you may offer to, uh, to members of your team, or if it's uh, more along the lines of having uh, employees that can take on additional responsibilities, progress in their, in their roles um, uh, through whether it's uh, shadowing other people in, in other parts of the organization, but, but really sort of laying out a career path for employees. Um, I, I think that's a, a critical part of being able to attract and retain people. When we're talking to candidates and, and to our existing staff, they, they really look at, you know, can you, help, can you help define a career path for me? Where will I be a year from now, a couple of years from now? They can, they can fill in the blanks on the compensation piece because the expectation would be that as they continue to grow and progress that, they'll, um, th- that their compensation will increase. But um, if, you, if you're trying to address it, my view is if you're trying to address it solely through compensation, that, that's a short-term fix and you, you get into a little bit of a vicious cycle. What happens? down the road, you, you give a larger increase this year, next year, if the increase isn't as big, do you set the table for someone to be disappointed? I think you want to give appropriate salary increases based on merit, promotion, et cetera. I think you want to give appropriate bonuses um, so that employees are, are compensated fairly and compensated well for the work that they do. But the, the other side of it, what you mentioned, the training aspect and the professional development opportunity, the ability to grow into new roles and take on additional responsibilities, I think is as critical, if not more critical, to attracting and retaining talent. These types of programs, again, it, it ends with uh, what I just shared. The CEO says, well, what if we don't invest in our people and they stay? Then we have these people that just aren't reaching their potential. They're not growing. Uh, so the CFO has the next move. So the CFO then goes to the HR leader, and the two of them sit down and explore the expenses related to training and development programs. Here's, here's an extensive training and development program that uh, a competitor has developed over time and seems to be attracting talent with. 
here's what we estimate it would cost. Uh, is this a conversation that HR leaders and CFOs are having today, or am I uh, am I getting it wrong? That's just not a likely scenario. No, I, I think well, I, I think in in a lot of organizations they are having that, and if they're not, they should be having that conversation. The challenge becomes right as a CFO, you want to, to measure the return on investment for that sort of training program if it's not something you've done before. The ability to quantify that return it can be challenging, especially at the outset of a program. Um, of a program. So uh, the savings can be squishy or soft sometimes, or, or it's not even savings. It's really the, the improved productivity of uh, the members in your team that, that you're trying to quantify. Um, and the other piece would be um, lower, lower turnover. So you're trying to quantify the impact of that. And, and there are various studies out there that talk about if you, if you have turnover, it takes anywhere from, you know, one month to, to you know, six months worth of, of compensation for someone to fill that seat between recruiting, um, training, onboarding, the, the new hire that you have. And so if you can reduce your turnover, there, there is an impact to the bottom line. But, but it, from a CFO's perspective, it, it seems sort of squishy um, in how you do that because it, it doesn't have the same you, you can't necessarily build the, the same sort of financial model around that, that that you may be able to around certain other types of investments. But but you still need to have that conversation, and you still do need to try and try and build out that model. Because what I would say is that I know for for us, um, for for some of our roles, uh, the onboarding period may be three, four, five months. Uh, of time between someone is fully productive. And so if I think about a, a particular role and we lose someone in that role, by the time we fill that seat, which may take anywhere from one to two months, and then you add another five to six months before that person is fully productive, we, we've effectively lost seven months of productivity out of that role. Um, and, and I know that because we have enough data points that we can we can point to that that say here's what it is. So it, it's effectively costing us over half a year's worth of compensation to fill that seat for that turnover. So there are two things that that we look at for that. One is how do we retain a higher percentage of, of the people that we have, and two is can we take that onboarding period? Can we drive improvements in our training programs so that we can take that onboarding period? from four months, five months, six months, down to two to three months? How do we do that so that the person is more productive sooner than, than they are currently? And, and those are the sorts of conversations that I think CFOs and CEOs and um, CHROs should be having around um, the, the development of their teams. I think it's interesting when you stop to think about it that a customer-centric company, company that really wants to take it to the next level for its customers uh, has decided that it needs to invest more in those customer-facing roles. And while they're not necessarily sales, uh, whereas the sales team 
currently is experiencing no turnover. Unfortunately, the customer service team is. And a lot of it might have to do with, with onboarding, let's say. Now, I'm illustrating a, a situation that was shared with me recently by a business leader. And I'm curious, um, is this uh, sort of a situation that reveals circumstances that many companies might be dealing with? Maybe it's a little different. Maybe it's a, a different business function that's experiencing a turnover. But uh, the point is, is sometimes it's just a function. Is this a, a scenario that's uh, perhaps more widely uh, being experienced? Yeah, I, I think you are. Um, so the, the customer-facing roles that, that you have in an organization, right? So the sales team goes out and brings in a piece of business, and, and they do, do their job in, in bringing in a piece of business. Then you think about, okay, it's, it's handed over to the customer service organization to deliver on, on what the sales team has sold. And if you, if you think about it more broadly in terms of cost of acquisition versus cost of retention for customers, right? And, and we've talked about the, the cost of acquisition and cost of retention for employees, but, but that if you play that forward, it ties into the, um, to the customer. So if you're having high turnover in your customer service organization, you are likely going to see some impact on your ability to retain customers. In today's world where a lot of companies are moving towards some sort of subscription-based model where you have a lot of recurring revenue and, and you have sort of an extended relationship with the customer, at least that's the goal, the cost of customer attrition is really high for an organization because there's a high upfront cost to acquiring the customer, but if, 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 if you retain that customer for a period of four years, five years, ten years, that cost of acquisition is spread over that time period and the margins for the business can be pretty high. If, however, you have customer service issues and the customer retention rates dip, because you're not able to retain those individuals, then that cost of acquisition has a significant impact. The cost of client acquisition has a significant impact on the bottom line of the company. And so the two are really related, right? You have the sales team, and, and you've got what you're paying them to acquire the customers, and then you've got the customer service team and what you're paying them to retain the customers. And if, you, if, if you're paying too much to acquire because the, the customers aren't staying with you, then, then the impact to the organization is pretty significant from a financial standpoint. For the CFO who wants to do some troubleshooting for a customer-facing organization that is experiencing attrition, uh, what are the questions they should be asking the HR team uh, as they try to get to the core of what's going on? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think um, I think a lot of organizations do exit interviews, and, and you have different opinions on the value of, of exit interviews um, with, um, with with team members when when they leave. I I still believe in the value of exit interviews. I, I think um, when employees decide it's time to move on, um, you know, sometimes. Uh, sometimes they get a better opportunity, and and, um, and there's not much you can do 
to um, to change their mind. But I, I think over time you you develop data and you, and you start to see themes. Are people leaving because there's an issue with um, managers in a particular part of the organization um, or, or the leadership that that exists within a particular department? Are they leaving because there's just general dissatisfaction with the job and, and how it's structured, what their responsibilities are, and are there things you can do uh, as a company to help with that? So, for example, are there certain mundane tasks that are such a big part of a particular job that and any person in that role can really only do that for a certain period of time before they say, I've had enough, I, I don't want to do it at the job, just such that um, it, it lends itself to higher turnover. And, and, and I think it's incumbent on all of us as leaders to, to really understand what are some of those things that, that are dissatisfiers for uh, employees. Right? Not, not, no one's going to love every single thing about their job. We all have things we like and, and things that we, we don't like about our jobs, but ideally, the things that you like, you, you're spending a lot more time doing the things that you like and the things that motivate you and, and get you excited to come into work, and if there are certain things about the job, whether it's the, the responsibilities of the job, the tools and technology and support that you have to perform the job, the leadership that you have that, that is um, that, that uh, is responsible for managing you. Whatever those things are, the, those themes should start to, to play themselves out um, in, in those exit interviews. And, um, and then as leaders between the, the HR team and, and the finance team and the, um, and the CEO, I think you can start to, uh, start to address whatever those top themes are. So is it that the workload is too much and we need more people? And if that's the case, then there, there's potentially an impact to how you, how you price the product in the market um, or, um, or do you accept lower margins because you have to expand the team to do that? Or is it that your managers need better training to support the individuals in this particular department because they're not providing the, the level of support and guidance and leadership that they need to. So it, it helps you target where you make your investments. But um, like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of exit interviews. I do think if done correctly and done well, um, that you can get a lot of good value out of those, um, which will help you make some decisions. Ron, I have kind of a neat human capital story I'd like to share with you. It's about a company called Holman, based outside of Dallas in Richardson, Texas. Now, Holman manufactures footlockers. In fact, I think it's the, the largest manufacturer of footlockers. And they, they supply schools, but they also supply uh, you know professional sports teams. They have really high-end lockers, beautiful lockers that uh, they supply to sort of high-end uh, fitness centers across the country today. And um, there's an interesting human capital initiative that they took on. And uh, their CEO, Travis Holman, uh, I have a clip here from another podcast we interviewed him for uh, that I'd like to share with you. Uh, regarding uh, the Human Capital Initiative, as he explains it, and uh, get your thoughts on it. So I'm going to play that now for you. Here is Travis Holman, CEO of Holman. 
So our, our market's interesting. Um, we have somewhere around 70% market share. Um, we've got about four main competitors in our business. And, um, you know, they, they just have no succession plan. They've got no way to, they've got no future. They can't explain to their people, their, the people they're working for, that, that there is a future because there's really nothing there. Um, two out of the four have tried to sell to me in the last year and a half. And they can't project to their to their employees that they have a bright future, which is one of the key things. And these millennials that we have now that we're all trying to attract, they want to know, they want to work at a high-powered, high-energy place that's got a lot of benefits. And home is also, we need to talk about that. We've got a lot of very interesting benefits. Um, about two years ago, we, we was with, uh, did a week with uh, Richard Branson and some other business leaders down at his island, uh, Necker Island. And the whole concept was purpose-driven companies. And we ended up coming up with a program at Holman. And uh, it's been phenomenal. And basically, we're giving, we started this year, we're giving free education, free college. This is a middle market company, 100% owned by one person. So all the money comes out of my pocket. But it's been a brilliant move. We give free education not only to the employees at Holman, but all of their spouses and all of their dependents. Right now, I've got 81 people in college. And this is a this is a college uh, in, in near headquarters. Is that right? It's across the street. This is the first place we've started out. So it's a college across the street from our headquarters. We actually share a deal with them. It's um, it's a community college right here. We just started the program. Actually, the real program really started in September. But we've yeah, we've got 81 people providing education. And that has done more to enhance the growth of our company. People are excited to be here. We have people beating down our doors to get jobs here. Um, we're being talked about. Even like we just did, um, we just got the contract for the uh, Texas Rangers, the big baseball stadium here. And they knew about it. They're like, you, what you're doing for the community is, and your people is incredible. We're just happy to do business with you. So for any business owners out there looking to do something, education, I really feel is the key, and it changes the entire um, purpose of your company. So now we're working to build lockers. The people out in the company are working for their kids to go to school and their wives to go to school, and they're learning. People are taking anything from America. I've got four people right now in nursing school, which will all, they'll all leave us when they get their nursing degree. But they'll be better off. The community will be better off. They're gonna, we're going to have more nurses out there, all from their parents or them working at a little manufacturing company in Irving. So the excitement, so the excitement it creates is just fantastic. Now, business has contributed and reimbursed college study programs for a very long time, but I've never heard of something quite like this. Now, are there other businesses that have pursued a, a maybe a similar approach and you were uh, modeling your program after those? Where, where did you get this idea? You know, I was, I was with, um, I mean, literally with, I was with, basically talking to Richard Branson and sitting there for four days, five days, and, um, we were talking education, education, education. And finally I said, you know, I'm going to do something. I'm going to get everybody to go to college together. And he said, well, that's, that's great. And then we started looking at, you know, who are, who's going to be the next employees at home? And 
you know, because the manufacturing is moving. You know, what is manufacturing? You know, all these people ask me all the time, what's manufacturing going to look like in 10 years from now? And I have no idea. You know, in the 90s, it was all going to be robotic within 10 years. Here we're 30 years later, and it's still not robotics yet. Uh, but it's coming. And so I think we're going to need a lot. The education is going to be key to keeping the, uh, to building the, the, the low-income people, the middle-income people, and to moving companies like mine forward. And so when we started talking about just putting the parents in school or the, the person working here, that doesn't really help long-term home. And, and a lot of these people are like, you know, they're 12, 14, 15 on an hour, first-generation Hispanics, um, you know, and they want more for their kids. So by adding the kids, it was just a unique thing. And um, right now I've got about half of those people in school don't even work here. They're children of the people that work here. And the people that work here are so happy and prideful that, that they can work at a place and their kids can get an education. It's just a, it's just such a unique thing. And now it's, as far as I know, it's, as far as the school says, it's never been done. I've had plenty of interviews on it. No one's ever seen it done before. Um, and we pay for everything. We pay for all the schooling. We pay for the books. We pay for everything. And, uh, did you have a, a relationship with the institution before? And, and I'm just, how did you reach out, <laughs> knock on the door someday to the dean and say, hey, I have an idea? Yeah, I just knocked on the door to the dean and, and said, I got an idea. I want to send people to school. It's got to be a way to do it. And they said, well, you can, you know, give people scholarships to this. And I said, no, I just want. And, and, and I said, I just want everybody to get educated. And I don't even, this isn't an educational program like you're thinking where they've got to go get a four-year degree or do anything. If they want to take photography, if they want to take a gym class, we're paying for it. The idea is that they're out there making themselves better people every day. The whole notion of education, right now I'm, I'm actually back in, in college. I'm going to Harvard. Um, and it's a three-year program. And I'm one year down now. But the idea and the notion of, hey, here's your, here's your college education at 22, 23 years old, and you're done for the rest of your life. It's, it's just a little bit crazy to me. I mean, all the stuff that we're learning, all the things that we can learn in life. So we're paying for people to go. Some people want to get a degree out of it. Some people are just taking English as a second language. They're just taking, they're interested in, in um Construction management. We get some people saying construction management. They probably will never get a degree, but they're going to get a little bit better at their jobs, or they're going to find something they're interested in, go off and become a, you know, a, a better person. And if they leave us because of they got their nursing degree or whatever, it's in it's in everybody's best interest in this community that we have higher educated people. So we're doing something good for everybody. Um, you know, and with our people on this podcast going to do this, business leaders going to do it. I mean, literally the money comes right out of my pocket. So a lot of people won't do that. But when you think bigger, when you expand your, your, your horizon and don't look at the profits as much, you'd be shocked. We're actually, we started this, and I guarantee you, I'll have the numbers here in a year, and I guarantee you that our profitability is gone. We can see it in our numbers right now. And our profitability has come up. Our people are doing more. They're more excited. They're more willing to work and get stuff out in overtime and less mistakes. And 
we're getting better people to exploit here, um, all because of this program. So I think dollars and cents, believe it or not, we're going to end up winning on this thing, even though we're paying for, we're going to be paying for hopefully a couple hundred people a year going to school. Okay, Travis Holman, CEO of Holman Inc. of Richardson, Texas, uh, back from visiting with Sir Richard Branson on the island, uh, brainstorming sessions. It's all about talent uh, was the underlying theme, clearly. I think the Holman employees agree that uh, Travis has to visit the island more often if this is the result, but uh, let me... uh, let me know what your thoughts are, uh, Ron, regarding uh, this approach, which I think is pretty out of the box and clearly an investment. So I think what Holman's doing is is remarkable. What, what they're offering, um, we have not the not the same thing, but we we have for a number of years offered all of our employees if they have a child that's in college. A, a scholarship fund will where we'll we'll pay a thousand dollars per year towards tuition um, per child um, for any employees, and, and then last year um, introduced um, a program for recent college graduates that work for us where we'll um, we'll pay them a thousand dollars a year uh, to help them repay student loans. So we, we have, we've had the scholarship program for a number of years, and what we heard from some of our employee base was, hey, that's great if you're older and you have college-age kids, but what about recent college grads? We've got student loans, and you know we can't participate in that and won't be able to participate in that for a lot of years. And, um, and we wanted to offer them something because, um, because the cost of education is so high right now um, and you know it, it, like I said it's not 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 nearly as generous as what Holman is offering but um, but in, in today's day and age where you know everyone's um, dealing with the, those high expenses we, we thought it was um, something that um, would be attractive and, and we get pretty high marks from, from our um, employee population on those two programs and, and really good utilization where a large percentage of our employee base participates in one of the two programs. And, you know, to me it just speaks to the lengths companies are willing to explore, uh, whether they're doing this 10 years from now. In speaking with him, I, I get the sense that's the plan. The notion that it, it, it's the, the family. That's open to all the family yeah. members is what I thought was kind of innovative yeah. and uh, expensive. <laughs> I, I just don't know how they can afford it. Yeah, I mean, that would be my question. Not an Ivy yeah. League education. Yeah, but it would still, that, that would, right, how, how sustainable is that as the business continues to grow? Um, again, I, I, I applaud them for, for what they're doing. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's an incredible program, and, and I, I think it's great that they're doing that. But... It, at some point, does it become so expensive that you're not able to uh, not able to make it available for all family members the way they are right now? And if you do, what are the implications from an employee relations standpoint when 
when you do make that switch, if you have to make that switch. Um, and uh, I think hopefully they, they don't have to cross that bridge. They, they, they're able to continue to, to offer this, but I, I think that that's something that, you know, it, it would, before, before you launch a program like that, I, I, I would think you'd have to think about pretty, pretty hard and say, you know, how far into the future can we really project this as we continue to grow and our, our employee population continues to grow. When we come back, we ask Ron to identify human capital blind spots for us. What are finance leaders ignoring to their peril when it comes to human capital? We'll be back after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Last time we spoke, I, I asked for blind spots that are common among finance leaders when it comes to human capital. Ron, I'm going to ask you the same question again. Um, you seem to have a, uh, some insight into what often is neglected. Uh, but uh, what, would you, what would you tell us when it, comes to, uh, when it comes to areas of peril for finance leaders? One potential blind spot. I tell you, is too often as as managers, as leaders, we it goes to the adage of the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We we pay attention, we pay more attention to um, to the squeaky wheels, and we assume that if someone um, isn't making noise, that they're they're happy, they're content, and everything is fine. And, and I think that's a um, that's not a good assumption to make, um, right? I, I think just because it, because different people have different personalities, and, and sometimes uh, I would suggest that um, you know if someone is is quiet, isn't isn't raising concerns or issues, maybe they've already checked out and and. Um, and have mentally moved on to to their next role or um, out of the company. That's not always the case, but, but I think what we as managers have to pay attention to is you, you have to know the individuals on your team, and, and and when you see changes in behavior or personality. So some people that are naturally introverted and, and they don't necessarily um, vocalize different things, However, you communicate with them, right? They, they may not raise things, but, but you still need to be able to have conversations with them and, and understand what's going on in their head and, and what, what are they satisfied with, what are some areas um, maybe where there's some dissatisfaction or, or they're not um, 
quite as happy with and, and how do you address those. Others that are that are always vocal about everything, right, you, you, you work with them as well. But when you start seeing changes in behavior or if you just assume that just because someone's quiet and they're not, they're, they're not bringing things up to you that everything's just fine, I think that's where um, – that's where we as leaders, uh, I think, can get caught off guard and surprised and, and surprised in a, a bad way. Usually we ask uh, our finance leaders to look forward to us and tell us uh, what their priorities are. Uh, Ron, I'm, I'm wondering maybe there's uh, something we can provide uh, finance leaders with on the way out here. When it comes to human capital in the organization, what is the question finance leaders must be asking as we enter the new year? I, I think what finance leaders and, and HR leaders should be talking about is how do our employees know that we care about them? If, if I could summarize it into, into one question. Because all of the different things that we've talked about compensation, training, um, the example of, of Holman and, and what they're doing in terms of um, paying for college tuition, um, different benefit programs, all of those things ultimately come back to if employees feel valued, they feel like the company cares about them, then it will create a, a loyalty and, and help you retain the, the employees. If the, if the employee doesn't feel like you care about them, then it's a, it's a transactional relationship, and if someone comes along with, um, with, with another job, they will, they will listen. But when they feel like you care, they're more likely to stay. Ron Shaw, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks for having me, Jack. I appreciate it. Hello, listeners. Do us a favor. Be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts. Or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.